Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines, and we're excited about our third season, Lisa, um, especially this morning's guest, um, a friend and colleague of ours if you'll do the introductions. Yeah, so Becky, we're so excited to have Dr. Leslie Sinnott with us, who is Associate Professor of Exceptional Education and happens to be the department chair at Bethune-Cookman University right down the road, which is a historical uh, black college and university in Daytona. And uh, Liz, you have a ton of accolades, so I'm not going to read them all. We'll let you share them as we get started. So we invited Dr. Senna this morning um, kind of to kick off this new season, which will feature um, experts in the field and in some cases, experts with lived experiences. So our, our friend, um, Dr. Senna, is actually a, a longtime colleague and, and we've had a chance to collaborate over the years and, and certainly have lots of lunches. So I thought our insight, Lisa, would be really interesting Thing, especially in this time of COVID, all different considerations. Dr. Sen is not only an expert in the field of exceptional student education, but she is also a professor with low vision. And Les, to be honest, I don't even know like what is the best term these, you know, for, for I'm not an expert in visual impairment. So um, if you don't mind disclosing just a little bit about, about yourself and um, um, your visual impairment kind of you know, what do, what, what do we need to know? You, what, what, what do we not know as your colleagues? Okay, great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me um, as a guest on this podcast. It's really exciting to um, have a forum to just share um, experiences like this for people who are interested. And as we go through, please call me Leslie. Um, <laughs> that, I think I'd be very comfortable with that. So technically, I do have what would be called a visual impairment. Um, it's due to dia, uh, diabetic, it's, it's due to diabetic retinopathy, where abnormal vessels grew in the back of my eyes and they bursted. And so I see flashing lights all the time that obstruct my vision. Um, I've had multiple surgeries and everything that they can do, and my eyes have been stable for a very long time. This actually happened when I was 21. I sneezed and then pow. That was the last time I actually saw um, the world without sparkling lights everywhere. So if I could navigate through the sparkling lights, it's actually very clear. And I only mention that because most of what I see is a matter of perception. And I think that's a really important point to make when we talk about visual impairment. Um, how I perceive the world is how I navigate the world. And if I have flashing lights or not, everybody's gonna navigate that differently. And as a person with a visual impairment, in some cases I am categorized as blind. Um, I have a form that I submit to taxes, right? That says that I, I'm blind, my doctor gives that to me. I do submit documentation to our HR department um, that states because uh, the states my my disability because it is protected under um, ADA. So, but that's not really what people are interested in. They're a little curious about what I see. Um, I describe it as looking out over a sparkly lake, and you can still see the water, but there's these flashing lights in the way. Or, or 
people that have migraines have described a similar um, visual perception. They have these lights that get in the way. They can still see, but not. And functionally, it affects everything that I do. It affects my eating. I can't see my plate, really. I mean, I don't know how many times I've eaten a lemon or an onion thinking that it was a squash or something else. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily see where I'm walking. I do have a cane. Um, I use all kinds of technology that's been really valuable in how I navigate the world. But um, I think it is important that I'm, I'm an expert in, in exceptional student education, but I live with a visual impairment. And, you know, even working among colleagues in exceptional student education, I, I would expect, and I know we've had these discussions informally at conferences or just sitting around in, in our offices, I would expect that um, with a disability such as yours, um, it's not necessarily noticeable always to the people around you, whether it's sitting in a conference presentation, sitting in a faculty meeting. Um, how, how do you navigate that? How do you, do you, do you just uh, ask for support when you need it? Or do you presume people are going to support you and then you're disappointed um what what happens colleague wise you know you 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 mentioned your cane but but you don't always have that with you and certainly when you're sitting etc so can you give us kind of the real world feel professionally about how this impacts you or how you communicate with colleagues yes it's um it's actually it's actually very interesting um because i don't use my cane most of the time and if you were to look at me you would not know I have a visual impairment um, and I think I think what's important for educators to know and just for people in general I use strategies more than accommodations like we always think oh you need to accommodate somebody but I use a lot of strategies more than that and my colleagues forget all the time um, I'm very honest I disclose all the time to my students and to my colleagues um, um, when we were working on a, our, our, our team was working on a PowerPoint presentation, we all had a turn, and we made it through the whole development of it, and then I said at the very end, I go, now, I need everybody to really remember, I can't see, <laughs> and the whole group just started laughing, <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait, that's right, I'm like, so I'm like, can somebody just, you know, tell me when this is going to happen, um, and then what they don't know is that I'm memorizing everything. I can't read and see at the same time. So I memorize like 90% of, of what I do. And when somebody walks into an environment and there's something that new comes up, I've already been there. I practice um, navigating rooms and, and I memorize a lot. That's so interesting. And, and, you know, I, I think it's interesting, uh, Leslie, as you share all this, that, uh, you know, I think one of the things I remember the most is, you know, you got your doctorate in an era when really universal design for learning and ADA were just kind of at its infancy in, in discussion. And I still remember, I believe you rode your bike to the job interview. Am I right about that? Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the moment that I knew that you have a level of um, independence and uh, ability to do things that I don't think we find in in many people that I meet. And so what do you think is the impetus for that level of 
of independence almost to a level that is really almost unheard of, as you said, in finding strategies. Where, where does that come from? It sounds like it's innate and natural, but where did you learn that, that toolkit that you have that's just kind of amazing in every time I talk with you? Um, well, it's, it's interesting that you, that you phrase it like that, because I think when I was, um, when I spoke with Becky earlier, I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't understand. It's not, it's not that I have anything extraordinary going on. Um, I, and, and so it, it still kind of puzzles me. I think, I think, um, I feel sometimes like I'm a curiosity, but not because of my visual impairment, but because of who I am. You know, my visual impairment is really just part of who I am. And I don't think when people think of me immediately, they think of that either. Um, it just pops up in quirky ways. And for example, I have a, I ha you know how there's like people who are huggers and people who are high fivers. You know, I have, I have this colleague and he always comes in for a high five and he comes like aiming straight in in my blind spot. And I have this blind spot that's about like 11 o'clock. If you were to look at a clock, is it 11 o'clock? And he always consistently comes in there. And so I leave him hanging, right? I'm like, no, no, please, no, I'm not being rude. I just, you, why do you do that? Why do you do that? And now it's become a joke between us. And now he does it, you know, on, on purpose. And I think, um, you know, the strategies I use are things that I do to get what I want. And I think that's a very fundamental human thing that we all do. We all do the things that we need to do to get what we want. And maybe I'm luckier than most in that I know what I really want in life and what I want to do and how I want to impact the world. Um, you know, there's this thing, it's, 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 they, they, there's, it's called the three G's that explorers use, right? It's why did the explorers go exploring this like gold, glory or God? And I have this really simple outlook on life. And I think that we all strive for one of those. Like we all strive for a little bit of it, but we all strive for one of the three G's. You know, some people are driven by gold. Some are driven by glory. Some are driven by God. And you have to know what drives you because it helps you identify your tendencies which helps you navigate your world in a better way, whether you have a visual impairment or not. And, um, you know, there's things that come up with my visual impairment, like I don't see faces, right? And I have this, this wonderful opportunity at our university. Um, I'm, a, um, I'm a faculty marshal, which is a great honor. And for anyone who has that opportunity, I highly recommend it. You get to dress up in your regalia. You get to lead faculty out. Like it's all for people that like pomp and circumstance, which I do. Um, <laughs> they, they get to do that. So the other thing with being a marshal is you get to sit in the room before the ceremony with your keynote speakers and all your administrators. And you get to hobnob and get little snacks and um, water. You know, it's nice. <laughs> So one time I'm there and there's this guy standing in the corner, you know, kind of pacing. So 
he was near me and I walked over. I'm like, hi, how do you do? You know, my name's Leslie and hi, my name's Juan. And oh, that's great. You know, isn't this a wonderful ceremony? And I go on for like 10 minutes talking about the ESE program at the school and how wonderful our students are and all this stuff, right? And after I left, somebody said, wow, well, you were really having fun over there. And I go, yeah, Juan's a cool guy. And they go, yeah, we were kind of surprised that he was invited as our keynote. And I'm slack jawed and all of a sudden feeling like a fool because I did not see who it was. I hadn't seen the picture of him and connect it to the face. He didn't say, oh, thank you for the honor of being the keynote. And, you know, this is a journalist and a political analyst. That's Juan Williams and, you know, most pleasant man. But that's something that kind of, you know, I think the visual impairment did have a have a role in me not knowing who he was. But the fact that I went up to him and just started chatting away, chatting away, that was that was me, right? Glory. Glory. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you pinned it. <laughs> Yeah, that's my driver completely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and and you know, you you one other question for me and then and then I'll turn it back to you, Becky. But you know, you've taught, I was looking at 14 different classes. Uh, I just can't even, you know, think about the prep for that, let alone that they're both face to face and distance learning. So I guess a couple of things. One is an expert in special ed. What is your advice right now for teachers with students online, no matter what the ability or disability might be? And then do you have anything specific that people should think about for people with visual challenges in this uh, COVID online world of what we're living in right now? Um, so those are really interesting questions. Um, I think that for teachers, we need to honor the student and honor ourselves as professionals. Um, it's important to teach strategies, but practicing that and having the student feel a success for that is what's important. We're so um, aimed on students mastering a skill, but we have to understand that people need to fail and and learn from that as well. And that's you know I think I think that that's that's really important. We have to trust that the student will will master these skills and navigate the world that they need to. It's their world, right? And. Yeah. A lot of times we close our world on their world. It's their world. And we can be there to, to help students um, by providing them with the information they need, with the protocols that they need, and, and knowing that what their rights are. Um, you know, I have, a stu I, ha I have my, my nephew um, in California has a disability. And... It's taken years, and he, now he's in high school, and it's taken years to help him understand why, you know, what, how he's navigating the world. And everybody loves him. Like, that's one of his, his gifts is that he's super outgoing and people just love him. But on the other hand, he's, he does not like confrontation. And so as soon as we start talking about something, he, he shuts down. And that's not a service to him. You know, we need to let him take the lead. 
And I think that's that's really important. And understanding the strategies and just being open to new to new ideas. Um, I think in terms of teaching online, you would think that, oh, now that I'm in this little world, you know, six inches from my desk, that that it would be easier. But teaching online is a completely different pedagogy. And for someone with a visual impairment, I use the screen readers, I enlarge the fonts, I, I do all kinds, I do all of that. But even, I think we joked before this meeting, it's like, oh, you need to give me a signal when someone's gonna talk because the screen right now is so far away from me. And I know that this is a podcast and it's all audio, but in Zoom meetings, if people want to see me, I need to move the computer back, which means I can't see the screen. So I just make it clear. It's like, oh, I'm going to put up my picture so I can actually see what's going on. And people don't mind that at all. That's not, that's not a big deal. What I'm finding, what I found is that it's not really a big deal. When you develop the relationships with people, and I think this is key, it's all about developing relationships and being authentic, that um, that's where the magic happens, right? That's where things come together. And the visual impairment, yeah, it's there, but that's what I deal with. And for you, you're not going to know until I tell you what I have to deal with. And most of the time, it's like not an issue for people. Leslie, I, I especially appreciate you being willing to kind of share what you see and give some insight into um, what your world literally looks like. Because that's, that's kind of the point of, of our whole season is to, to give people a different perspective and certainly we appreciate you sharing yours i will ask you kind of as we get ready to wrap up um what is one specific support a specific tool or support if you were the parent of a child who is blind or has low vision um or a teacher like one specific thing or tool you would provide that child or at least explore for that child um, so there's two things one would definitely be the technology piece um, and not all technology works um, you can't make assumptions about the technology it has to be something that the individual really really will use I don't know how many pieces of technology that I went through before I found something that really worked for me um, and then the second piece would be mobility skills. I think that's absolutely essential. You know, when I first lost my sight, I actually went to um, a, a Division of Blind Services and I took, uh, I went through the whole program. It was a residential program and I learned how to, you know, pour coffee and how to um, cross the street and how to go shopping and how to ask for help. Um, in, in, in public situations. And so I think that that's really essential um, services and making sure that they are able to navigate the world and feel comfortable in it. Um, the other thing, and, and this is, you know, this is more personal experience recommend, 
but um, don't make everything about being blind or visually impaired. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of weird, but you know, my family, my family still, when they introduce me to people, they'll sometimes say, Oh, you know, this is Dr. Senna. And then they tell my accolades and then they whisper and she's visually impaired. Like it's some <laughs> special thing. And, um, I think really focusing more on like you would any child, you know, love them, let them make mistakes and help them navigate the world. Don't beat yourself up. You know, I, I feel sometimes for my parents, for my dad and my mom, you know, what it must have been like for them. And um, I'm certain it wasn't easy. I'm certain it wasn't easy because you have fear as a parent, right? And you want everything to be perfect for your child. And especially if you perceive your child as someone who, who needs, right? When I put little quotes around that extra. Um, but but let them be who they need to be, right? I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does. That's beautifully said. And you know what? I, I, I can only imagine the accolades your parents can give you with, you know, looking at your bio <laughs> here, exemplary teaching award, PI on a $1.25 million grant. And, and I think that's exactly how we'd want to end it today with your accolades, because that's what we know you for is as a colleague and really making a difference in the field. Uh, the other side of the story is one that's just been a privilege to get a chance to hear. So uh, any last thoughts, Dr. Hines? Uh, you shared a lot of kernels of wisdom, uh, Dr. Senna. I know you said to call you Leslie, but you deserve that accolade too. <laughs> well, I'm just going to end by saying, I'll see you, Les. It was great to talk to you. You this, too. This Thank you again. All right. And good luck with the third season. Thank you. And join us on Twitter if you have questions for us. And we hope you will share some of these podcasts with your classes, uh, Leslie. And thanks again for being our guest. Thank you.